0: It was either too short or too tall. Anyway, uh, on the day when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle and had anointed and consecrated it with all its furnishings and had anointed and consecrated the altar with all its utensils, the chiefs of Israel, heads of their fathers' houses, who were the chiefs of the tribes, who were over those who were listed, approached and brought their offerings before the Lord. Six wagons and twelve oxen, a wagon for every two of the chiefs, and for each one an ox. They brought them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Accept these from them, that they may be used in the service of the tent of meeting, and give them to the Levites, to each man according to his service. And when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, He heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Testimony from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. Lord God, thank you that you do speak to us, that you Mm -hmm. communicate to us, that you allow us to know your desires. And we pray that um, as we come to worship you, you would especially give us ears to hear. eyes to see. Help us, Lord, to, um, to hear what it is that you're communicating to us, each one of us individually, and to us as a body here. Um, we long to follow you, Lord, and, and to do your will, and we pray that you would uh, make us increasingly sensitive to that, um, so that we would be followers of you who would bring glory to you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pam. So God still speaks. Listen for Jesus. Can, can you imagine the scene? And it was described a little bit from what Pam read this morning. But the tabernacle had been constructed according to God's design. Um, Israel had been obedient and built this tent where they would meet with him. The dwelling place um, with his people was ready for service, ready for them to encounter him. But up until this point, the cloud of the presence of God had so filled the tent that they could not yet go in until now. And all the tribes of Israel have brought their offerings, and for 12 days in a row, one tribe a day offered before the Lord the exact same sacrifice of gold, of silver, of a sin offering, peace offering. And all of them, all of the people longing for his presence. And on the twelfth day, Moses, the leader of the people, eager, he's cautious, he's hungry for an experience with God. He goes into the tent to speak with God. Now, I wonder what the room was like in that moment, what he felt, what that experience was. Was We just have the description clearly where he was, where he heard the voice. But I wonder, was there a holy silence to the place? Was there a calm that was supernatural? Was there a sense of awe for Moses and even for those outside the tent in the camp? And he says he heard a voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat of the ark, Of the testimony between the cherubim, and he did not see who was speaking, but hearing was enough for Moses. This is Moses serving as a mediator between God and his people. His presence here in this moment is felt, it's recognized, and it's obeyed. And I read this and I study it this week and I think to myself, man, I really want this. I want this experience of being in God's presence and hearing his voice clearly. I want to have the hunger that Moses had in this moment for hearing God. I'd love to sit here in the sanctuary and hear the voice of God speak just above the preaching table before the cross. Reflecting on this, I understand the impulse of some that some of us have had relationship with that want to reclaim like Torah living and gold back to the Old Testament because there's so much in the Old Testament where God is visibly or audibly present and real with His people. I think that's rooted in a desire for God that we should have, that He was so present in those moments. But the truth is that Moses is no longer the mediator between God and man. Because we gather this morning, as we do every Sunday still, to hear God speak. But we do so listening for Christ. The author of Hebrews tells us, They, talking about the Old Testament uh, nation of Israel, serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. But when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. And the author of 1 Timothy, Paul, says, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So we, as believers in Jesus, have a better covenant, a better mediator. God himself relates to us. This doesn't mean that God stops speaking in very clear way. The now gone to glory author Dallas Willard says people are meant to live in an ongoing conversation with God, speaking and being spoken to. And that's all I want to remind us of this morning As we hear of Moses hearing the voice of God in the tabernacle as they do worship. But I want us to start thinking, what do we do with this hunger we have to hear from God? This morning, I just want us to think through three key ways that we hear God speak and then endeavor to actually listen to him. Because I think in this day and age, we need to hear from the Lord more than ever. So the key three ways that we hear God speak are in the word, in the wind and with others. So God still speaks. Listen for Jesus. We start with in the word. And if you're new, I draw because somebody once said it helps them. And I think it's just, this is a Bible. Did somebody say yes? Like, you knew it was a Bible. Woo, I'm getting better. I'll keep drawing, right? So what Moses is hearing and uh, mediating between God and his people is a revelation of God. God has revealed himself in communication to this mediator. And his communication is for the people. It's not just for Moses, but it's for the whole camp of Israel. And for Moses, uh, th- this is listening essentially to the breath that is coming between the cherubim. And what a prou- profound experience that must have been for him. And th- the thing is that we have essentially the exact same gift for ourselves because his breath is a gift to us and it is scripture it is the bible right you all know the verse in second timothy 3 16 all scripture is what breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof and correction and for training in righteousness. It's that the minister of God could do the work that they're called to do, that we, as the priesthood of saints and believers, could go forth equipped by what we see in the word. So it's God breathed Old Testament and New Testament, the word that is spirit-guided, spirit-maintained, and it's a word that can be trusted. I've never really been a big fan of apologetics, but Sean McDowell is an apologetics guy. He does a great job. And, but you just look at um, the history of ancient texts and the number of manuscripts that we have, and he highlights the fact that you usually have a few manuscripts of really ancient texts, and that's it. And then people study from those texts, and they have this picture of history and what has gone on. And the manuscript with the most... Uh, manuscripts other than scripture is homer's iliad and it has more manuscripts than any other classical work and it's one of these things that is difficult to get an accurate number because they're always finding new manuscripts as they uncover things and search from an archaeological perspective um, but there are some fragments and then whole manuscripts together but even within like Increasing discoveries of it, the number of manuscripts of the Iliad is well below two thousand manuscripts, and the last number was like six hundred and forty-three, right? And so we take those manuscripts, we're like, "This is it. This is a true word of history, this ancient reality." But then you look at the Bible and count the number of manuscripts that you have of Scripture, and there are twenty-three thousand nine hundred and eighty-six manuscripts that have been discovered of Scripture. And with the New Testament alone, there's a 99.5% accuracy among the manuscripts together. So this is a book that can be trusted. It had been written, maintained, kept by the Spirit and the church for thousands of years. So each time we open the Word, we have to understand it is exactly like we are entering the tabernacle like Moses in that moment. To hear The voice of God. I wonder if we've lost some of the awe of that. That The word we hold before us that we look up on our phone, that we occasionally accidentally press play when we're sitting in church and then that voice speaks. That's the voice of God to us, right? My friend Seth, um, who I often talk about, he was relating... He, for his job, he started flying more now out of COVID, so he's traveling the country. And he was telling me a story of a flight that recently, and I, maybe you guys have heard about this, but it took off from Maui and it did a nosedive and got as low as 800 feet before they corrected and saved the flight. Like 40 people were injured on this flight, it's a significant thing. But it was a reminder for Seth, like how much we take for granted flights. You know, Some of us have... Big flights coming up. We're going to go across the globe, right? And you just, you trust you're going to get there. And you're propelled in this metal cylinder at hundreds of miles per hour. And you, it's, it's become normal to us, right? And if you fly spirit airlines, you realize how blessed you are to even make it. Right? I got a buddy who's a spirit pilot, so I can make fun of him. He deserves it. But, like, we, we get numb to the fascinating reality of what we experience because it's just become so normal to us. And I wonder if that's the same with Scripture. It, becomes for us especially as christians something of a task just something to check off the list that we've accomplished or an expectation that well on sunday surely jonathan is going to open scripture so i can check that box i've heard from the word it just becomes familiar but without any sense of awe whatsoever oh that the lord would give us the wonder back as we open his word so I'm convinced more than ever to hear God, we must be people that are anchored in his word because it's our source of hope. It brings words of salvation, of direction for life. And we have an epidemic of biblical illiteracy, even in the church today. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet, it's a light to my path. Hebrews says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit of joints and marrow and the discerning of thoughts and intentions of the heart. We should be in awe when we sit before David Platt, famous pastor, when he preaches, it always if it sounds like it hurts him. It's like one of those guys, right? But he says, every single one of us who is in Jesus, every single one of us who has a relationship with God through his word, and don't underestimate this, when you open up the Bible, this is God speaking to you and me. God's voice speaking to us by his spirit through his word. We are having a supernatural conversation with God when we open his word. Don't cease to be astounded by that. Don't cease to be amazed by that. Don't become too casual with that reality. Be overwhelmed by the fact that God speaks to you and to me and that we get to hear him. So let's focus on Keeping hearing from the Lord in his word. Determine then to be people that are anchored in the word, but wise in the way that we read and hear it, right? One writer says if you see something said in scripture once, um, note it. If you see it twice, look twice at it. And if you see it over and over again, use that truth to instruct against all the rest of scripture. So what we want to cling to from the Bible is the message of the whole and then use that as the standard for interpreting the peripheral passages. And so what we must hear as the message of the whole is the message of Jesus, of his redeeming word, of who he is and who he calls us to be. Jesus, in his ministry, he was confronting those that were rejecting him in John 5. And he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me so that you may have life. A little later on, he says, for if you believe Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my word? to hear the word of Christ that we focus in on Scripture. And the author of Hebrews says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom all, uh, he also created the world. He now, Jesus, is the voice that we listen to, the word of Christ, of his grace, of his righteousness, of his holiness, of his promise to keep you, to sanctify you. Andrew Wilson, a British pastor, says we primarily hear the voice of God by encountering the person of Jesus. And this helps us enormously because it makes Jesus rather than subjective thoughts or impressions we might have about whatever it is, the central reality when it comes to hearing from God. So we open scripture and we look for Jesus and we hear the voice of God speaking to his people. The truth is. When we look at the totality of it, it won't always say things that we fully agree with. And in fact, if you have read scripture and you agree with everything, I promise you're reading it wrong. Because it's meant to mess with you. But to keep you because of who Christ is and what he has done for you. Even though it doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always agree with what we think things should look like. We submit to it because these are the very words of God himself to us. Did you guys watch those Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Where's Kenny? Kenny was dancing. He was like a Pentecostal in his kitchen with his son, right? And my dad was dancing too. And he is a Pentecostal and he was in the kitchen because he likes to eat. But I don't know, if you watched, some of us were watching for the commercials, and there was He Gets Us. You heard about this ad campaign? You saw the ads? There were a couple of them, like Be Like Children. And then this one that was like, oh, it divided people. It, it felt so good watching it. And right? There's a lot of comment, like, should you spend $100 million on an advertisement that might mention Jesus? And We can figure that all out. They could give us $100 million so we could get a playground for the kids in a nice yard of the church. But that's a whole nother story, right? But the second ad after halftime, I don't know if you saw it, right? It's all these pictures of the last three years, people arguing about masks, about vaccines, about politics, and this back and forth and just like visceral pictures of people yelling at each other. And it just says, Jesus loved the people you hate. And I loved it because all sides were up in arms about it. Right? Charlie Kirk, do you know him? He's a political guy. Don't listen. Damn, Charlie Kirk said, that's hogwash. That's so stupid. And then Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, many of you know her as AOC. She also said, that's hogwash. You can't listen to that. So when those si- both sides saying it's, it's awful, it's probably right. <laughs> right. And I, I love it because people were wrestling with the reality of that thing. And I'm just sitting here like, you guys, Jesus actually said it. Like, You don't have to listen to the He gets us campaign for that reality. Jesus himself said he loves his enemies and his enemies and your enemies. And you know what he calls you to do? To love them as well. This is the voice of God speaking. We listen for Christ and this is what he tells us. And it is going to set the world on fire because they don't like it. The word is always speaking. Speaking. Do you ever go through times where it feels like dry seasons spiritually? I've had those. I pastored y'all for eight years. <laughs> I've only had one of those. No, am kidding. Right? Well, you go through life, it's difficult. Life is not easy. It is not promised to be easy. But we... At moments, we might not feel connected to God. We don't feel super spiritual. We haven't been hearing from him. But the truth is, in those moments, don't shy away from the word, both read and preached, because he's speaking through it. Oftentimes, I'll sit with people and be like, I just haven't been hearing from the Lord. I, you know, I'm hungry to hear from him. I'm like, well, we, like, should we open scripture right now? Hear from him. Don't run away from that. So he speaks through his word. And then he also speaks in the winds. You ready to get nervous? What does the wind look like? Is that wind? Okay, you get it. So God speaking in the wind represents for us this ongoing conversation that we have with Jesus in prayer as we cry out to him. And the point is that it is to be a conversation, not just a one-way speech, right? but asking and listening. And the truth is that we have help in that listening. Jesus promised his followers a helper, a comforter, the spirit of truth that would come. John 14, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, because we have scripture, some might be inclined to say, well, we have we have enough of the voice of God or that we don't have any need for the spirit. Like the the work is complete. We all have this. And I'm not going to make that joke. Well, now I've said I was going to make a joke, right? Often when I hear people say, we have the word that's good enough. We don't need anything else. It's somebody that is still reading John MacArthur's notes on the study Bible. So you needed more than scripture. See, that, that didn't go over as well as I it wanted. <laughs> it's good. Read it. It'll encourage you, right? Even some of us, though, that believe the spirit is still active today, Right? But we live as if the Spirit is not active. Like, it's just left to, we, we ignore the Spirit until something dramatic happens, and then we need a move of God in our lives. But the Spirit is doing exactly what Jesus promised still at this very moment. He's teaching, reminding, spurring us on, and giving us peace. And we benefit from hearing God speak in the wind. And of course, this comes up against our posture toward the spirit. Another quote from Dallas Willard, our failure to hear his voice when we want to is due to the fact that we do not in general want to hear it, that we want it only when we think we need it. We only tune in when we think we need to hear it, but we are called to be tuned in all the time. And if God speaks, we should be inclined to listen Lawrence is now if you don't come on time at Reservoir Church you miss like the first sermon from Lawrence and this this morning Lawrence gave us dating advice (laughs) right even some of you married folks need some dating advice and one of those things is talk less listen more is a good word felt like he was just reading my sermon manuscript as he's talking this morning right But we ask the Spirit to speak to us as we commune with God in prayer. It's not only like, hear what I need, but help me receive what you're saying back to me. Because more than just asking, we need to listen. Part of our problem is just the frenetic pace that we keep in this era of humanity. And I think it's also the way we approach the Word. Like, let me just get it over with, get it done. We used to call a morning time in scripture and meditation a quiet time, right? I loved when I was single, I had some quiet times, <laughs> right? But I, I don't know if you're like me. When I open the Bible in the morning, I can't always call it a quiet time unless the dog woke me up at 4.30, right? Because there are three kids that are needing to be fed and yelled at to hurry up and get ready for school, Right? So that's it. You know, I'm in the Psalms like it's all sweet and beautiful and like brush your hair, come on. I wish somebody would tell me to brush my hair. <laughs> so we get really quick with our reading of scripture so we can check the box that we did it and we missed the quiet meditation on it where the spirit will speak and confirm and the same is true for us in prayer and the listening to the spirit in our lives and there are moments certainly when the spirit will get your attention without a doubt but the daily spaces is where you're meant to commune with the lord and i just wonder if we have enough quiet to hear Sometimes God speaking is in the still small voice and I am convinced there is too much noise in our lives. And this is huge for us because it's a tool of the enemy to try to untether us from the voice of God, just filling our lives with distraction, with tons of information, all of it steadily streaming before us where quiet is essentially unknown in our lives. Some of you don't even go to the toilet without noise. You know it's right it's true but to hear God in the wind I think quiet is necessary and it is a huge discipline and I think it will change your walk with the Lord if you can add quiet and to call what I call disruptive peace and it's it requires shifting the schedule you're going to have to sacrifice something it uh, may require you know Dave Hansen always says that I spend most of my white week just looking out the window Right, thinking thoughts of God. Well, you're going to have to add that to your schedule. <laughs> One writer calls it the art of holy leisure, which I know sounds super cool. But holy leisure is just sitting there doing nothing but listening to the Lord. You're just you and God. No distractions. No, no even no soft K love in the background to get you in the mood, right? Pushing all your thoughts, all of the distractions out of the way and just being present with God. Take a, and find one minute a day to do that and you'll be amazed what God will do. A couple weeks ago, Stacy had the opportunity and I'm a really good husband. So I sent her on a solitude retreat. It was organized, there was some structure, but it was mostly like just go to Idlewild, look at the snow and mountains and hear from the Lord. And I asked her, like in the middle, how's it going? And she said, I'm bored. Ah. <laughs> and you have to know, bored is where innovation comes, people. Be bored more often. But it's also where the Lord, it's one of those spaces in your board where he speaks to you. Because it, it's hard when we say, well, we need to set aside some time and I'm so used to filling it with distractions or the, the real stream of Instagram just fills up my day. Well, it's like, just be quiet and here. Psalmist says in Psalm 62, For God alone, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. And it might mean for us that we put down some very intentional markers to remind ourselves to find Quiet. The spiritual mentor far off that when he's ready to have these moments, he lights a candle as a reminder of God's presence wherever he is. And so the flicker of that flame, the smell, the aroma of the candle is a reminder for him. that He's in a space where he can hear for God. And many of you know that a while ago I asked God for something similar and we agreed. I love it when God and I agree. On something, right? But we agreed that any time I heard a bird sing, I would be reminded of his presence in that moment, and it slows me down because I'll be off doing something. Like you and I were out for a hike yesterday, and we just stopped and listened. I think of the scripture where Christ says, "Consider the birds." Right, your Father in heaven feeds them, gives them like, and you're much more important than the bird. So make time. It it won't work if there is no time for it. Disruptive peace for quiet. One old Puritan writer says, how can we be led to still waters if we are in a constant state of motion? Hearing gives us a sense of peace, of clarity, of restoring, of drawing us to Christ. And this week I was in the office studying our text and um, I found myself praying for revival. You know, there's mention of revival among young people at Asbury College and it's spread to like four other colleges in the southeast. And, and I love it because they're just like the brightest room, like all these chapels are full at Asbury. So it's on every meeting room in the campus at four churches in the community. And they still I have enough room for the people who have come to just worship the Lord. But you look at their chapel and it's like, every light is on. There's no smoke machines. It's not, like, there's not... A ton of volume pumped out of speakers. It's just kids with guitars singing to God, coming to him in repentance. And I was praying on Monday that the Lord would continue to stoke that fire and give continual outpourings of his presence everywhere. And I have to tell you, in that moment, I felt the presence of God, the sweetness of his spirit if I didn't have a space for quiet, if I didn't like just set things aside, I actually found myself putting down the books I was reading and just sitting with the Lord because he speaks and the wind is blowing. If we just listen. He speaks in prayer where we speak and listen to him. And when we hear, then rightfully we use scripture as the guardrails, as the spirit is not going to work contradictory to scripture. You know, of the Bereans, Paul would preach, and Acts 17 tells us that they received his word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The spirit won't tell you to rob a bank. The spirit's not going to tell you to cheat on your wife. It's not going to tell you to lie, but the spirit will draw you further into reliance on Christ. You better believe the spirit's going to call you to do hard things because it's going to put you desperate for Jesus. And a really easy way is just a smell test. We talk uh, does it smell like Jesus when you hear the spirit speak to you? First John 4, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. It's like, just does it smell like him? Is it something he said? Is it confirmed in the Word? So friends, make space to listen to the wind. Your lives are full. Your calendar is crazy. But this is the God of the universe. I implore you to give him space to speak to you. You are now the dwelling place of God. How much would change if we start our day asking the Spirit to speak to us in them? And then we hear... The Lord speaking in the word, in the wind, and with others. And I'm still only on stick people. When Moses heard God speak, it was for the community. And now when God speaks, it's often in community. Andrew Wilson, again, says the New Testament paints a picture of community where people not only heard from God through Scripture, prayer and the sacraments, but also through prophecy, other languages, words of wisdom and knowledge and so on. And sometimes people were worshiping and fasting and the Holy Spirit said something. Hearing from God about things in community, even when major decisions of people's lives are in the balance, is quite ordinary in Scripture. And it should be ordinary in our lives. We hear God speak in his word. We hear the spirit speak in the wind. And we also hear him speak in and through each other in the church. And it's why we need one another. We live in an era of self-centeredness. And humans have always been self-centered since the garden. But it's on steroids in our age. And the world says that the self is the highest good. Each one has their own truth, right? But real life is not found merely in self. It's found in belonging, in belonging to Christ and to others that also belong to Jesus. And even when we feel super spiritual, we need each other. and We listen with and for others. I was so encouraged, Carrie Hardesty was sharing how she walks one of the kids to school, and that's her one of her favorite days because she gets to she so rides his bike on ahead. He, she gets to just talk to God, and it was very clear that God gave her a, a direction to to go, a decision that had to be made. But she hesitated, and so she then had difficulty sleeping. God woke her up at like two thirty in the morning. Three, you ever have these moments, right? Sometimes that kid waking up is the, the Lord, like. Poked your kid to wake you up. Check my theology on that. That's you know. He's coming after you. But she just she didn't have peace. Because she heard in the wind what she was to do and didn't want to do it, wanted to go a different way, the easy way. And then she takes it to Aaron, her other. And she says, I, I can't sleep. Uh, this is not good, and this is what I heard the Lord say. And if if we make that decision, you have to own it because I don't want to. <laughs> right? Some of you spouses, you be willing to own things when the Lord tells you. But Aaron said that's from the Lord. I hear that, and we're we're following that decision. And you know who's sleeping now? You know who has peace in the, the decision. That's what. With others happens where we hear from the Lord. We're meant to have a community that helps us check the word together to discern what we are hearing. And if it is of Christ or something else, an up close personal community that actually has authority with it. Like, are you in a church community where elders are there who will give an account for the care that they provide to you before Jesus himself, shepherding, stewarding the way that the church hears? And I'm sorry, Dave, I've gone longer. We'll send Pam over, I promise. We need community that keeps us accountable to act on what the Lord has said. Like our small groups, if you... Try it this week. Tell, if the Lord's told you to do something, tell your small group that he told you to do that. And they're going to they're gonna track you down and help you do it. And if they don't, let me know. And I will punish your small group leader. Right? And your small group leaders are keeping me accountable. I think of Acts 2. Uh, the church is waited for the Spirit, as they were told to do by Jesus. But when the Spirit came... They moved. They went as witnesses because they knew what they were called to do. And they had heard together. And we need people like these in our life. They're willing to hear God speak in his word, in the wind and with each other. God still speaks. Listen for Jesus here is Moses in the tabernacle and God's voice comes from above the mercy seat. And it is by the mercy of Christ that we have life in this moment because God came himself. He lives this perfectly obedient life for us and gives all of himself for us on the cross to cover our rejection of his way, to give us his righteousness. And when we believe in him, we get to hear him speak. And he still speaks with mercy today, announcing the goodness of his grace, leading us onward as citizens in his kingdom and his kindness leading us to repentance and to real life in him. So will you listen? God still speaks. Jesus speaks in the word, in the wind and with others. May we be people who have ears To hear. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to do something that we typically don't do. But we're going to have a little extended time of seeking the Lord together. And we brought the kids back in. You can come on in kids. Find your family. Because we're going to intentionally pray over our children this morning as well. But we know as people we have committed that we hear the Lord speak.